theyeshiva.net. Good morning, everybody. Welcome. Today, we have the privilege of starting a new mimer by the Balatanya, the Alter Rebbe, Lekutei Torah Bahar. This new discourse by the Balatanya, the Alter Rebbe, that we begin learning today, was said in the year Tov Kuf Samach. That would be 1800. And it's published, it's printed in Lekutei Torah, Parsha's Bahar, this week's Parsha, the opening of the Parsha, the first Mimer. If you're using an actual Lekutei Torah, it's page 78, Lama Tess, column 3. Of course, you can use our source sheets on the web. If you go to theyeshiva.net, you can uh, see the source sheets, view source sheets on top of the video or below the video. You could download the source sheets so you could follow inside. And generally, if you ever want to reference the Mimer later, if you go to recent classes, you can always watch a replay. And then it gets archived in Lukutei Torah, in the category Lukutei Torah, in Torah. There's a category Torah and then Lukutei Torah, and over there, you can always find the appropriate Mimer, the appropriate Parsha, if you want to learn it later. This Mimer, I chose, first of all, it's the weekly Parsha. Second of all, it's very apropos as a preparation for Shavuos, for Zman Matan Senu, the day the Torah was given, because it's a Mimer that really explores the meaning and essence of Torah and Torah study. It's also, in addition to the connections with the time, it's also an incredibly, um, in my mind, an incredibly powerful and uh, life-changing mimer, like really every mimer. But uh, this has spoken to me very deeply from the first time I learned it, quite a number of years ago. And every time I learn it again, I've been actually also teaching this mimer on Shabbos, for those who come on Shabbos. We've been learning this mimer for a few weeks already. And I thought, you know what? <laughs> Let's learn it during the week as well. The opening of Parshas Bahar is, Hashem speaks to Moshe on Mount Sinai, Bahar Sinai, and He tells him, when you come to the land... The earth should rest. The earth should experience a Shabbos dedicated to Hashem. Which means six years, he says, you should sow your fields. Six years, you should prune your vineyards. You should harvest and gather all the grain. But on the seventh year, you have Shemitah, sabbatical, Shana Hashviz, Shabbos. The Shabbos of the weeks and the Shabbos of the years. There is an obvious challenge here because the Pesach indicates that the moment you come to the land, right away you experience Shabbos before the six years begin. When you read the Pesach, at first glance it says when you come to the land, what should you do? Right away you should have Shemitah, but that's not the case. As the Pesach clearly indicates in the continuation of these laws, first you work the fields for six years, and following that you have Shemitah. The Torah should have said, Six years plant, plow and plant and harvest and sell, etc. On the seventh year Shabbos, but the Pesach indicates that Shemitah is right away, but this is not the case. You don't do Shemitah right away. You first have to count six years. This is the question of the Balatanya in the opening of Parshas Bahar, which is going to be addressed later, much later, as usual. And now he goes off what would seem like a completely different topic. You are to a completely different topic. Yuvon Bahagdim Bira this will be understood by first introducing the famous Pasuk in Shehashirim in the Song of Songs. The Song of Songs, we all know, is that powerful Sefer in Tanakh 
that takes place in the spring, takes place during this season. Koil Hatur Nishma Bartsenu, when the sounds of the doves can be heard in our holy land. And we know that it's the very intense and complicated relationship of Anila Doidi Vidoidi Li, the shepherd and his beloved, Anila Doidi, I belong to my beloved, Vidoidi, my beloved belongs to me, as a metaphor for the relationship between the soul and the body, as the Malbim explains, between God and the Jew, as Rashi explains. And the whole Shir Hashirim is a very intense metaphor for the nature of man and woman's spiritual quest in this world. At one moment in Shir Hashirim, there is that moment, it's a dark night, it's a rainy night, it seems like it's a chilly night. And the beloved one, the bride, the Kala, already retired to bed, and suddenly this koil doidi doifik, there's the voice of my beloved that knocks on the door, pounds on the door, and says, Pischili, open up the door for me. Achoisi, Rayosi, Yoinosi, Samosi, my sister, my wife, my dove, my twin. But she responds, she says, I can't. I already removed my shirt. How can I put it back on? I'm wearing pajamas or I retired to bed. I already bathed, I washed my feet. How can I make them dirty by walking on the dirty earth, on the dirty ground to open the door? My beloved one sends forth his hand through the hole in the doorknob, and my intestines are stirred. He's begging. He's begging. Please open the door. It's a cold night, he says. His hair is affected by the wetness of the night. He's begging her to open the door. But she says, I can't. I'm in bed. I'm going to sleep. By the time she gets up, by the time she gets up to open the door, he's gone. This posik also became a nigan. The Alter Rebbe, the Balatanya, was a great composer, and he composed a song on these words. I don't know if you know. Remember some of you went with us to Hadditch? So I taught it on the bus. It's a long niggin, it's a very intense song. It's on these words. So literally we translate the words in Shehashirim. That Doidi, my beloved, is knocking, saying, open up the door, and then he's introducing himself and defining the relationship. My sister, my wife, my dove, my twin. At least open the door for one of these reasons. Comes down to Rebbe and he says that there's something deeper here. Hashem tells Knesset Yisrael, Not just open the door for me, my sister, my wife. Open the door so that you should be able to experience who you are vis-a-vis me. Not just open up the door for me, my sister, my daughter. By opening, by creating an opening, which he's going to discuss what that means at the end of the first chapter, by creating an opening, you'll be able to appreciate our relationship, both as a choisi and rayosi, and then later yoinosi samos. Hakaham deknesis Yisrael nekras tomet b'shemza. Why do you have to open up the door in order to become my sister and my wife? Knesset Yisrael is always defined as Hashem's sister or spouse. Mikoma kem p'chinezu p'amushibiz galos. 
It's always present, but the state of consciousness can be concealed, it can be revealed. So thus Hashem says to the Jew, open, create a pischi, open for me, to remove the covering, to remove the blockages, so that this state of reality that you are, that we are siblings and we are spouses, should be revealed. To understand, what does this mean? What does this look like when it's revealed? And why are there blockages? What is exactly the blockage or the garment that covers over the revelation of this relationship? The explanation is, Let's go to the etymology of the word achosi. Achosi is translated as a sister. You have Och is a brother in Lashon Kodesh in Hebrew, and Achois is a sister. Achoisi is my sister, and Achi is my brother. But the etymology is Umiloshin Ichri Alexandris Shebigemara. In Gemara, Meseches Moyet Cotton Dafchavov, Talmud Moyet Cotton, Tractate Moyet Cotton, page 26. There's an expression there, Ichri Alexandris, an Alexandrian knot. It was a special type of knot that was formed and developed in Alexandria and Egypt. The word ichui, which means a knot, represents the concept of a connection or better fusion. It fuses two disparate, two distinct things together. So that they become one as though they were initial, as though they were made of one body. One entity. That's what an ichui does. A real powerful knot. What's called an alacha kesher shal kayoma. An enduring knot. It takes two separate things. If they're not separate, you don't need a knot. They're separate. And it fuses them together that they should become mamish one. Kiguf echad mamish. As though it was one entity. One, one holistic body. And this is of course one of the malachas of Shabbos. Kesher. Tying a knot. The definition is, you take two separate things, and you fuse them together, they become like one goof. And that's why in halacha we find, by kosher, the malacha of kosher, it's in Erechayim, Simon, Shin Yud Zayin, in Shulchan Aruch, and the Alter Rebbe Shulchan Aruch, the Balatanya Shulchan Aruch, Shulchan Aruch Harav, so really like all of his simonim in Shulchan Aruch, it's a beautiful, beautiful simon where he brings all the various shittas, but there's two famous shittas in kosher. Two famous opinions about nodding on Shabbos. The view of the Rif and the Rambam versus Rashi. The Gemara said, the Mishnah says that the knot for which you're liable on Shabbos has to be Kesher HaGamolin Vekesher HaSaponin. Kesher HaSaponin is the knot that they place on a camel. The noose they put on the camel. So the knot in it, and then there's the knot in, on, on, that connects the rope to the boat, that's later, the other side is placed on the dock to be able to anchor the boat, the ship, that it doesn't move away in the water. So these knots are, the, are made to stay, because the rope is always connected to the boat, and when you need, you throw out the rope, and you connect it to, uh, to the dock. That's called a real kesher. That's the kesher yichayavon. But what's the definition of that is not so clear. So the Rambam learns that the main quality of these knots is the quality of it. The type of knot. It's a kesher shal uman. It's, it's a, it's a craftsman's knot. Not, it's not a knot that anybody, any, uh, any, you know, any, any person could make. It's a craftsman's knot. It's the quality of the knot. Rashi learns the main, the chief ingredient that makes you liable is the quantity that it's made forever. It's, it, you don't knot it for a particular time line, time frame, temporarily. No. You want the knot to stay long. You want it to stay. It may be undone. You may sell the boat, whatever. Things may happen. But in terms of right now, I make this knot, I want it to stay without any interruption. And there's, there's huge differences in halacha, how you define this. 
Because according to Rashi, even if it's not a craftsman's knot, but it's an enduring knot, you made it, it should stay there, you're liable. After being a carbon chattas, it was inadvertent. Why? Because you made a real knot on Shabbos, a knot that's going to endure. According to the Rambam, on the other hand, even if it's not, you don't want it forever. But it's a top quality knot. Again, you're liable on Shabbos. We lahalacha embrace both opinions. Each one has a stringency, each one has a leniency. We embrace both opinions. And a lot of the laws about knots on Shabbos is based on this. Why is this so important here? What is the definition of a knot that the two things become one? How do they become one? So first of all, one opinion is it's always going to be that way. Or Rashi's opinion, or the Rambam's opinion is the quality of it. It's not easily going to be undone because it's a real professional knot. Comes the Alter Rebbe and says the definition of Ichri, Ichri Alexandra is it? Ichri Alexandra is you take the two separate things and they become keguf echad mamash. Now you understand why our sister, my sister is called Achois, or a brother is called Ach. Why? Because the uniqueness of siblings is, the uniqueness of a sibling is, two separate people. A brother and a sister are two separate people. But are they really separate people? There is a knot that connects them, even if physically, biologically, they're two separate people. And they may go on to build their own families and drift away in terms of geography and in terms of daily life. But there is a bond there. There's a knot there. There's a knot that connects them because they both began. They began in mommy's womb. <laughs> they began as one. That's why mother, when she looks at her siblings, she often doesn't see the differences. She sees it's all, you know, she sees them as little babies that she carried for nine months. She doesn't see them as separate people. It's sometimes hard for children. Because really, that's what siblings are. In terms of genetics, you know, we shear, we shear the DNA. We come literally from the same progenitor, developed in the same rechem, in the same compassionate womb, raised by the same parents, in the same household. So there is a knot there that takes two people and really connects them together in a very profound way. And I should say, of course, sadly, there are families where siblings don't get along and siblings are don't talk to each other. And as you heard me say, this is a tragedy. It's a tragedy for them, it's a tragedy for the parents, it's a tragedy for the children even more. Fights continue for generations sometimes. And very often it's over inconsequential things. But even then there's a relationship. It may be a negative relationship, but it's still you're my brother, you're my sister. There's no way of severing that knot. It's a keshesh kayama because the Rebbeinu Shalom decided that you're connected. This is, it's called mishpucha. <laughs> Mishpucha, my family. It's sad when siblings don't talk and siblings don't get along. It's a very sad phenomenon. It's not supposed to be that way. There could be disagreements. That's normal. There could be sometimes some competition. There could be some... Okay, these are all normal emotions. But to come to a place where you don't talk to each other, you don't say good Shabbos to each other, you don't come to a siblings, it's very painful. You can't judge people or situations. You always have to know what's going on. But generally speaking, this is something that everybody should try to avoid to an extreme. So, Achva Achois, Achoisi is this powerful, innate connection. We may be separate people, but we're always connected. You're always my sister, and you're always my brother. That's how it is. What does this mean now, spiritually? Says This is true about the natural love in the Fashis Yisrael in the souls of Jewish people, based on the source from where the souls were were uh, chiseled out, every soul is called a chelik mal mamsh. It's a piece of Hashem. It's a fragment of the divine. It's a reflection of infinity. Each soul is connected 
in the ultimate unity. It's unified with the infinite light. Mamish. He says it's not a, this is not an exaggeration. Mamish means mamish. I mean literally. <laughs> I'm not just trying to be flowery and dramatic, you know, because the Torah is not such a safe. It's mamish. Valkane, this is where the neshama comes from, the source of the neshama. If you trace every soul back to its source, what is it? It's a chedek elikami mal mamish. it's a piece of Hashem. It's a fragment of the divine. That's what it is. It's a piece of heaven. Valkane, therefore, gam lamat. Even the way the soul goes through a journey and comes down here into me, into you. After the soul goes through a metamorphosis and it becomes a Bria, the soul starts off beyond the Bria. It's clear from this Maimar and the other Maimar. The soul begins as a Chelikilika, as part of Boire, not as part of Nivra. The soul begins as a dimension of the Creator. But the soul goes through a process where it becomes a bria, may ayin liyesh, from no thingness, may ayin, from nothingness, which we translate as from no thingness, it becomes a yesh, it becomes a thing, a spiritual thing, a holy thing, but a thing. And the soul comes down a descent. And we're not just talking about a physical descent down a roller coaster, down a slope. means that the soul, completely, you would think, loses its initial state of reality because now the soul is in a body, in a world, it's now tucked in and enclosed in a physical corporal body, in an animal biological soul. Nefesh is the biological consciousness, electricity, biochemical, that the biochemical currents that allow the body to live. That's called nefesh achiyunis, nefesh abasa bedami. And Tanya defines it the nefesh abahamis and the nefesh alikis, the animal consciousness, which is basically the biological consciousness that we share with animals, the zoological species, and then you have the soul, the chelik alikamimal, which is inside of it. So he says that's true, but it doesn't matter. The chelik alikamimal mamish is there throughout its journey, even in the body. The Alter Rebbe explains in a Maimer elsewhere in the morning, we say, Hashem, the soul that you have imbued in me is pure. You created it, you formed it, you blew it into me, you guarded it inside of me, and you're going to take it from me. And then give it back to me. Ask the Alter Rebbe, first you should say it was created, and then you should describe its properties. But that's not what we say. We say the soul that you have imbued in me is pure. You created it. It should start off. Neshama, this neshama that you have given me, you created it. <laughs> that's the first thing. And then describe its properties. It's pure. So the Alter Rebbe says, no. Neshama shenasatabi tahayri, it precedes atabarasa. Tahayra in Aramaic means light. The soul that you have given me is Uryin Soif. As he says here, it's a chelek mamish. It's miyuchad betachlis ayichud b'Uryin Soif baruchu mamish. It's completely one with the light of infinity. That's what it is. Tahayrihi. Now after that is atabarasa. The hast. After that. After Tahayra, now the neshama goes through the process of becoming a bria. Becoming, so to speak, a created entity. Me'ayin liyesh. But even then, the attribute, the quality of the tzaddik, the amich kulam tzaddik, who are aligned with the divine soul inside of them, their cheshik, their craving and their longing, their chuka, their desire is, to be absorbed in the light of infinity and to become completely subsumed in the reality of one is their soul is longing in the deepest depths of their heart to be completely one. They don't want differentiation. They don't want separateness. They don't want pirud because that's who they are. They are aligned 
with their inner core, which is a chilek, that's what they want. And their entire life, this is the story of their life, throughout their life, they live a life of alignment. This is what the real tzaddik means. Tzaddik doesn't mean a good person, a fine person, a righteous person, obviously. But the real, the, the definition of the real tzaddik as explained at length in Tanya is the state of bittel, the state of oneness, where my eye is completely aligned with the source of my eye. They see themselves, they recognize themselves, they look in the mirror, what do they see? They see a chilek hamish. So the part wants to be part of the whole. The chilek wants to be part of the klal. Machmas teva nafshaisam. This is because of the nature of their soul. Shanasalem teva. This is their organic state of consciousness. In the ultimate sense, by this sadhak who, who lives with this consciously, they don't need meditation, they don't need preparation to trigger and arouse this love. This is for them the natural organic state of being. It's similar to what David HaMelech says in Tehillim. I remember you when I'm lying on my bed. It's in the wee hours of the morning at dawn. And I immediately start thinking about you. You're lying in bed. That's the point. It's no difference if they're lying in bed or they're taking a walk or they're at work. This is who I am. There's an innate and intrinsic alignment that they experience themselves as part of Ein Sof. This is their conscious experience. So wherever I am, this love is there, because this is who I am. Uksiv. This is the meaning of the Pasuk we say in Kriyashma. Does the part remain, or is it really truly subsumed by the whole and, and uh, eliminated by it? It's never, it's not eliminated by the whole. It's subsumed in the whole. It's subsumed. And an individual character or, or existence? Every, every soul has an individual character. What they're looking for is not separateness. They want it should be one with the whole. Of course, they're living in a body. They're living in a body in the physical world. So the neshama is a briya. The neshama is vivifying. Their, their neshama is, is, is enclosed in their animal soul. But as he says, their chukah is l'skalol by Hashem. To be, cons- to be subsumed. And that's why he says... That's, is it still you and I between the neshama and Hashem? Or is it just I who know you and I? Do you want to know if there's still a you? Yeah, there's still a you. He says that they're longing for it. They're longing for it. There's a, there's a relationship. But ultimately, there's different states of consciousness within that itself, of course. But there's, this, there, there's a yearning, there's a longing, because the neshama did come down into this world. That's what he says. When you're sitting at home, you're walking on the road. You lay down. When you rise up, what is that about? So the Rambam describes in Hilchas Tshuva, Perik Yud, very strong words, that when somebody has a real love to somebody, he describes a man and a woman, the Rambam says when he gets up and when he goes to sleep and when he walks and when he eats and when he does business, they call it in America crush. But a real crush. He doesn't stop thinking about it. So sometimes it's because, you know, it's a distraction that we're going to be talking about. You know, you have to really get your life together because uh, you can't live vicariously through other people. But that's that's a separate issue. But the Rambam's marshal is that sometimes you become completely connected to something and, and it's constant. So in Avaidas Hashem, what that is, no difference where you are. You're sleeping, you're getting up. Yiddishkeit, godliness, is not something superimposed upon them. It's not a, a set of laws, of rituals. It's not even something, it's not even their only world. It's rather there's a complete sense of alignment, of with oneness, 
And therefore, wherever they are, this is their natural state. They don't even need to meditate to trigger this love. The metaphor for this is ka'avas achva'achas. When you have a healthy, functional family where the emotions are flowing and the relationships are really natural and people are aligned with themselves, it's like the love of a brother and a sister. The love between a brother, beautiful words, the love between a brother and a sister is established and it's planted, it's entrenched on its own. By nature, it's innate, it's intrinsic. They don't have to arouse it, they don't have to trigger it. You don't have to sit and meditate. She's my sister and therefore I should try to develop feelings towards her and I should be here for you. If you stand on Malamench and you grew up in a functional family with parents who cultivated, again, I know that the sad situation is that some people don't relate to this. And sometimes people's emotions are very blocked and sometimes a lot of pain in families and so forth. But Al-Tarebbe is describing organically the way the Rebbeinu Shalom created a person is that the love to a sibling is just implanted in you. You don't have to sit and go be and be and meditate to try to arouse it. It's 24 hours a day. If it's 3 in the morning and your sister calls you, she needs help. So the natural, of course you go there. Now, you may be feeling the love in an explosive way. Maybe not. But that's not the point. The point is that there's always a love. There's just always a connection. There's always a loyalty and a dedication. I love my sister. I love my brother. And this is authentic love that comes from a true, the truest core of a person's soul. It never gets interrupted and it's eternal. This is the Ava Amitis, that it's always, it's always there. It's just who I am. I am connected to you, and I want to be with you, and I want to be one with you, and I love you, and I cherish you. It's who I am. You're my mother, you're my father, you're my brother, you're my sister, you're my son, you're my daughter. Here he's talking about brothers and sisters, siblings. Because there's something about siblings that is unique. As we'll see, different than spouses. A spouse chose you later in life. But there's something about your sister and brother that you know that even their spouse doesn't know. Not because their spouses don't know, but because, you know, the Yoyde Yomakirai come in and we grew up with the same idiosyncrasies, the Zelbashtik, the Zelbashtik, the Zelbashtik. Siblings know each other in a very deep place. It's like they don't have to, you know, other people they have to explain their father, their mother, their house. Siblings look at each other. Hey, Vanti, we understand each other. You have another state that this love is not always experienced, entrenched, planted in the heart of a person, but he always has the potential to trigger it within him, to arouse it within him. For example, a person knows that during Kriyashma or during Tefillah, he or she can bring themselves to this state of consciousness. After that, it's going to leave. Then the love is not called Emes Lamitoy, it's called Tzvas Emes. What does Tzvas Emes mean? Tzvas Emes means Miloshin Sofa Lepiv. You have in Chumash Tetzave, make a Sofa, a rim, a sim, a, the seams, lepiv, around the opening of the of the shirt or the coat. What does this mean? It's like the seams around the clothes, which is the edge, the tip of the garment. What's the connection? There's two types of emes. They're both emes, but it's two states of emes. There's emes lamitoi and there's svas emes. What's the difference? Emes lamitoi, the Altarebbe teaches, 
is when something is absolutely consistent and eternal. It never ceases. It never changes. It's so much part of who you are. It's so innate to you. It's part of your essence. So therefore, no matter. Up, you down. It's always there. The fire is always burning. And that's the definition of truth. Because truth means, like it says in Yerushalmi, the Gemara says in Yerushalmi, MS, the first letter is Aleph, the middle letter is Mem, the last letter is Tuf, which is the beginning and the middle and the end of the Aleph base, because MS is eternal. It pervades and travels from the beginning through the middle till the end, and it's always true. Because something that's circumstantial, today it can be there. <coughs> Excuse me. Today it can be there. Tomorrow it's gone. You have in Mishnayis and Parah, fascinating Mishnah, rivers that dry up once in seven years. So even though the river is now flowing, it's possible you can't use it for Mayim Chaim, what's called living water. For those times when you need that type of spring water, paraduma and other things. The word mechazvin, the Mepharsha say it means it dries up. It also comes the word kozov. Kozov means a lie. The river that dries up once in seven years, it's called a deceptive river. Why? Because if in seven years from now there won't be water, that means even now the water is deceptive. In other words, the fact that something is within my life today, but years later, it's going to be gone. It means even now, it's not really who I am. Circumstantial, because I end up in this environment with these people, with these pressures, therefore I'm behaving this way. Like we all know in life, that there are those things, a person may be very, very connected to something, but ultimately it's only because they're in a certain environment. And if you pluck them out of that environment, you put them somewhere else, it may all be obliterated within a day or within a month. How could you send somebody to a far location where they don't have this support system and this social uh, ambiance and allow them to maintain their spiritual identity only if it's MS, only if it's Atzmiistic. It has to be part of me. It has to be who I really am. Because who I really am, that's going to stay with me. Now, this doesn't mean it's a bad thing. Sometimes people need social pressure and social conformity, and it brings out good things in people. It's wonderful. People need community, and people need a support system, and people need social validation. These are all very powerful things in life. They're not bad things, on the contrary. It's very, very helpful. But a person has to understand this, that there's a vulnerability, that it may be sometimes I'm connected to something, but I'm not really connected to it. I happen, I happen to be in an environment where this is the mahalach, this is the flow. I go with the flow. So you have emes lamita means that it's always there, there's no difference. This is my state. Just like the colors of my eyes don't change and just like I don't stop breathing. I don't stop breathing. I don't have to have a hisbainanus. Yeah. You know, I want to live, so therefore I should breathe. The body itself instinctively inhales and exhales. People are not even aware of it. The moment they're born, Be'ezer Hashem, this is what happens. You don't think about it. You don't. This is the body. You know, all the stuff that our body does inside this nine systems of the biological organism, right? The respiratory system and the the urinary system and the circulatory system. We don't even know about it. The digestive system. It's constantly happening from a brilliant body that was designed by Tzalem Alekim to be able to function and live. And the truth is every living organism that way in its own unique way. Then there's something called Tzvasemes. What's Tzvasemes? Tzvasemes is the beginning of truth. Tzvas literally means the tip, the tip of truth, the tip of the iceberg. You're getting into the truth. Like the Tzvas Habeged, right? the seams of the garment, the Imra, the Safa Yilapiv. He says, Svasa emes v'katseyu. It's haschala sa emes. It's not emes lamit, but it's the beginning of truth. V'lochein omru b'zoyha. Therefore it says in Zoya Kisisa, Svas emes tikun la'at. The Pasuk says, Svas emes tikun la'at. You should take Svas emes, the edge or the lip, 
suffer is also the lip, because it's so to speak on the outside of the on the outside of 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 one's body, and the lip is either closed or open, and it allows entry into the inner system. So he says, Svas emes, the svas, the suffer, the edge of truth, tikkun la'ad, you should establish for eternity. He says the zayar, koinanto la'ad loiksiv ele tikkun la'ad. It doesn't say you have established it for eternity. We're asking you should, because it's only svas emes. Uksiv, the Pasuk says, we say in Ashrei Korev Hashem Lechol Korev, Lechol Ashrei Kru'uhu Be'emes, Be'emes Daik. Hashem is close to all those who come, to all those who call out with Emes. You could call out, but it's not called Be'emes. Da'aynu B'Nekudas Emes, V'loi B'Sfas Emes. There is the core of truth, and there is the beginning of truth. Because since I constantly have to arouse the love, it hasn't yet become the organic nature, completely innate to my core, at the core of my heart. Then I don't have to arouse myself to it. It doesn't have to be premeditated. Because this is who I am in my very essence. It's never circumstantial. And therefore it's always. But a person is not always there. So there's something else called Svasams. What Svasam is the beginning of Amos. What makes it the beginning of Amos? That with the proper preparations and with the proper meditations, I can always inspire myself towards that space. Am I always in that state of revealed inspiration? That would be something as emes lamita. It's really true by you. Sfas emes means it's not false. It's the beginning of emes. What's the beginning of emes? The Alter Rebbe says that I have the mechanism to tune into it. I have to tune into it. But I could tune into it. And the fact that you could tune into it, that's amazing. And for this, there's a special prayer, a special request. Sfas emes, tikoin la'at. Why is it called Svas Emes if it's not consistent? The line starts Halev. Because at least at this moment, you have the ability to bring out this love from your core each person according to his or her capacity, and even after davening, an imprint remains, a residue remains, when he remembers God, a generous spirit is triggered and aroused in him on its own for the love of God. So therefore this person also experience something of that verse in Tehillim that we spoke about before David HaMelech says, when I remember you on my bed, I immediately start meditating. So there is Emes Lamitoy and there's Svas Emes. Emes Lamitoy is it's always there. Svas Emes means I have the ability through my work to tune into that part of me. And that's a very powerful thing. I may not always experience it, but it's there, it's present enough that I know that with work, I can tune into this. And though, even though afterwards it's going to dissipate, there will always be some imprint, some memory, some residue. So this is, so the tzaddik, the avas Hashem is 24-7. No difference. He's sleeping, he's up, he's here, he's there. No difference. Because the oneness has become who he or she is. There's no differentiation. Just like in a sibling relationship where the love is just always present. You're just always experiencing that love. Then you have a svasem as Jew. It's pretty powerful. I may not experience constantly the love, but it's still called Svasemis. It's the beginning of Emes, because it's not just fake. You have sometimes that the whole love is just circumstantial. You know you're between a certain people, certain environment, and you get in a high and you're feeling good, but essentially it didn't really permeate me, it didn't really penetrate me. The moment I'm plucked out of that place, or the moment the inspiration ends, it's gone. Svasemis means that I have really the ability to internalize it. It's internalized in me, and therefore I have the ability to tune into it. It's not just superficial. It's not just something that you would say is not real in a person.
but it's something very real and a person that I can tune into. It's called Tzvasemes, because it needs a void that to constantly tune into it, but then it's called Emes, and there is a Rishimu that's left, that's left over from it. Look in Tanya Yud Gimel, where he discusses the difference between the Tzadik and the Benini. This is also connected to the eight times we speak about truth after Kriyashma. Hadalit pa'amim emes harishoyinim ad ezras, hu rotsin u tshukas ha'levli dovig bashem ad kaloysi anikre hechel ha'rotsin. V'achakach oi dalit pa'amim emes, dainu emes ha'amiti, ha'amiti, shemesayeyu melmailo lihis ames, hadalit emes, shalamata lihis emes ha'amiti b'mesiris nefesh ad kaloysi. We speak eight times about MS. I assume a lot of people don't realize this. Like a lot of davening, we don't realize what we're saying. But in davening, I don't know if you realize, the Balatanya says there's eight times we speak about MS after Krishna. There's four times MS till Ezra's. You ever notice that? Today you'll notice it, hopefully. Okay, count by, today by davening, make sure you notice it. Ani Hashem Alekeichem, MS, right? Emes, very good. That's probably the baron. Oh, how did I know? Okay. So we have like this. We have Emes V'yatsev is number one. Right. Then you have Emes Eleke Oila Malkeinu. Beautiful. This is all before Ezra's. Yes, all before Ezra. So you can look at the Siddur. Everybody could look it up. There's four times truth. Then in Ezra, you have another four truths. Another four times Emes. You could look it up. Beautiful. Beautiful. Emes aturishim vatu acheroin. Emes mimitzrayim gial tonu mebeisavod impidi sonu. Four emes. What's going on? Says the Altarebbe. Ah. The four times emes. After Kriyashma, the question is, all good, but is it emes? Is it true? So we say emes v'yatsev v'nochem v'kayim v'yashav v'nemon v'ov. It's all true. It's emes. But what do we mean by MS? So he says, the first four times MS before Ezra's is the yearning of the heart to connect with Hashem, called Heichel Haratzin, the chamber of desire in Kabbalah. But this is the person's own initiative that I want to connect to MS. Then comes Ezra's Aveseinu. This is the MS that comes from above. That Hashem helps you to become emes, to take your four emeses that you initiated it, and it should become emes lamitai. It should become really, really true. In other words, the first four emeses is similar to the svas emes, and then you need to help Ezra Saviseinu, the next four, that it should become emes lamitai. They used to tell a story, they used to tell a story by a marshal, they would tell a story to explain what this whole emes is. You know, after Krishna, we say, Ani Hashem emes, and then we go like this. Emes, v'yatsi v'nochem v'kayim v'yashav v'nemman v'ov v'chavi v'nechmud v'noyim v'noyim v'adirim v'sukun v'mekubo v'toy v'yafe. Sixteen expressions that it's true. Once is not enough. Imagine you tell me something, and I agree with you, Okay. 
So I say, Reb Aaron, this is true. Reb Daniel, this is true. Reb Mordechai, this is true. You say, okay. I say, what? It's true. It stands. It's correct. It endures. It's faithful. It's beloved. It's pleasurable. It's sweet. It's awesome. It's powerful. It's fixed. It's accepted. It's good. It's beautiful. Okay, the guy is abyssal, uh, relax. That's what we do every day. Again, we don't think. Okay, I heard it. No, I heard. No, you say, like this shidduch is a good shidduch. It's a true shidduch. It stands, it's good. <laughs> What's all this about? I'm starting to get suspicious. How many times are you going to say that it's true and it's good? Once, twice, three times, four times, 16 times? The Pshat is, here's a story. There was once a wealthy man who was very, very stingy. He had a problem. He was marrying off his daughter. And when he was marrying off his daughter, he has to make a meal. And they always had a custom that you had to bring, to bring poor people to the meal. It's called Sudasaniyam at the wedding. But he didn't want any poor people at the meal. He didn't want anybody. He was a stingy, stingy man. So he spoke to his consultant who was like his right-hand man in the business. And the guy said, I have a plan. Let's publicize that we're making a big wedding. Outside of the town, we're renting a place and we're setting up a tent, a pavilion with a lot, a lot of food. And we'll order all the food. We'll order all the food. And we'll invite the whole city so you'll have a reputation that you invited everybody. And after the chuppah, near the shul, I'm going to come running to you. I'm going to be pale like a ghost. And I'm going to tell you that there was a fire in the tent and all the food got destroyed. And basically, everybody will say, oi, 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 oi. And nobody will come eat. We'll have the food for ourselves. We'll sell it to merchants in other cities. And then we'll take out a little herring for, for you and me and the chassan and the kala. And we'll be good. We don't have to feed anybody. This is called brilliance. Anyway, the plan goes. The plan, uh, the plan moves forward. They, publicized, they're making a wedding, he invites the whole city, invites all the poor people, everybody's looking forward, remember in the olden days, he didn't get a big meal often, he's a rich man, and everybody's going to come to the wedding, and they know, he said there's going to be a huge feast, because he needed it for his reputation, anyway, the chuppah happens, and his right hand man comes running over after the chuppah, and he's pale, and he says, my boss, boss, you won't believe what happened. There was a fire by the tent. Everything burned down. Everything got destroyed. He says, everything, everything, the tent and the food, all the food we bought, it's all gone. And his face was so real. He looked, he, the act was so good that the boss started to suspect maybe, <laughs> Maybe he's, he's right. Maybe it really happened. Maybe it's not a joke. So he looks at him and he says, MS? MS? And the guy says, Yeah, Vyatsev. Yeah, there was a fire. He says, Vinachain? Yeah, Vikayam. Vyashar? Vinemon. Vaov, Vachavi, Vinachman, Vinoyan. Vinoyru, yeah, Vadi. But then he looks at him and he says, No, no, no. Between you and me, I know that the whole crowd thinks it's true. But between you and me, umesukan, umekubal. Really? Really? Again, I know that we have to say there was a fire for the crowd. But between you and me, it's a vishmir and dear. Vitoi What happens? He faints. <laughs> he realizes it's true. Ah. Ayit says, Ani Hashem Aleikechem Shema Yisrael Hashem Aleikein Hashem Echad. We live in a world of oneness. MS! Okay, now, the animal soul turns to you and says, V'yatsev? Yeh, v'nachoin! V'kain, v'yashar! V'nem and vov! Then the animal soul looks at you and says, Tzvishemir and dear, 
There's no Shatchanim in the room. There's no seminary principals in the room. There's no Rosh Hashivas in the room. Tati is not there. Mami is not there. The Kehillah is not there. The Rebbe, the Rosh Hashiva, the Mashgir. Between you and me, it's true or not true? Yeah, the Nechmod. I know what the crowd has to hear, but Tzavishamir and the Okay, I got it. I got it. But now relax. Nobody's looking. Nobody sees. Now talk to me from the inner recesses of your heart and tell me, is this true or it's not true? For this, 16 times is very important. Until you got to work it through. That's all Svas Emes. That's the Emes after Krishna. Then is Ezra Savaseinu. This already you need some, it's a gift. Emes Lamitoi is a gift. Emes Lamitoi you can't do on your own. Emes Lamitoi says you need the help from above to really be able to put, it's a gift from Hashem that it should be Emes Lamitoi. So this is all two states of how the Jew can experience a choysi. This is, but as he started the Maimer, there are blockages that eclipse it. That's why he says, Pischili. What are those blockages? That's what Alter Rebbe is going to continue in the continuation of the Maimer. I wish you all a beautiful and meaningful day. Tomorrow morning, Thursday, uh, Tuesday morning, we have our 9.45 class. That's tomorrow morning, 9.45 a.m. Tomorrow, we also have 1 o'clock in the afternoon, we're starting a class, a 10-minute class, a few times a week, in Timer Devaira. That's an amazing, beautiful, Musser, Kabbalistic work by Reb Moshe Cordovero, the Ramak, Timer Devaira, the Palm Tree of Devaira. You can watch it tomorrow one at the yeshiva.net. And then Wednesday at two o'clock, we have a lecture to the South African community. Fear, uh, uh, faith in times of crisis. This week is a week of a lot of pain and crisis. Faith in times of crisis. That's Wednesday at two on the yeshiva.net. And Be'ezer Hashem will continue the Mimer Thursday, 7.30 a.m. And in the meantime, I wish you a beautiful day. Let's take some questions. Was the Neshama created in time as there was a time before the Neshama was created and a time after the Neshama was created? So generally speaking, we don't refer to these things in time. It's basically states of reality that transcend time. Time itself is a part of the Bria. Time itself is part of creation. Today, even in science, time is recognized as one of the dimensions of creation. And some scientists even argue, many, I think it's the conventional, it's, it's pretty conventional today, that pre-Big Bang, there was no time. There was no space and there was no time. In other words, it's after the Big Bang that not just the universe came into formation, at different stages, but also the very concepts of time and space. Are there going to be Shvuas classes? Yes. I'm going to be here in Munsi Shvuas, and Beis Hashem will have Shvuas classes. Next question. You explained that by the Tzaddik, he's always aligned with his core. Is that true on every level? Yeah, it's true emotionally, and it's true behaviorally. In Tanya, it says that's the difference between the Benini and the Tzaddik. The Tzaddik is aligned completely. The Benini is aligned in behavior. The Benini knows how to be aligned in behavior. When my thoughts, words, and actions express my alignment with oneness, sometimes my emotions may not express that alignment because I have struggle in me. That's why you need the Svasemes. By creating different types of souls and sending them down one by one, differentiated and separated, it's obvious that Hashem created a situation where we're not naturally aligned. 
Yeah, that's true. The world is a concealed place, so we always remain aligned, but the question is, how aware do we become of that alignment? You say that siblings are naturally aligned. Imagine identical twins, identical DNA, raised together, and know each other as closely as humanly possible. Yeah, there was that crazy story, remember, in 1980? They made a documentary now about it, and a, a lot of articles about it, about those three twins, about the triplets. Three Jewish kids who were born, and they were separated and put into three different families. And then they were united by some coincidence. They figured out that they're part of a family. It's an unbelievable story. Three Jewish kids. So it's, it's a very intense story. They were separated by birth. And, uh, and yeah, it's a very, very heavy story. In Davening, we're speaking to Hashem. Hashem doesn't get bored. So, of course, we say MS Vyatsev 16 times. Yeah, good point. But the question is, I'm talking to Hashem. Why do I have to repeat that something is true 16 times? You said it's true. I believe you. God believes you. I don't think you're lying. The answer is because you're talking to your animal soul. <laughs> and your soul wants to know, really, really? Between you and me, nobody's looking. There's no Shatchanam. You know, between inside, inside your heart, what's going on? I want to understand what's the nature of human individuality in relationship to the chelik elekamimal. You say the soul comes down. Does it eventually merge with the ayin, with the nothingness, with Hashem? Or does it have an absolute independent reality even on that level? Or no, there's only Hashem's oneness. It's a great question. And the answer to this is, there's no one answer to this. There are so many different states of consciousness and reality. Essentially, Essentially, everything is part of Hashem's oneness. Nothing is separate. The question is, how much separateness do I experience? That's the only question. Now, when you say everything is part of Hashem's oneness, that does not exclude the soul being unique and individuated because Hashem's infinite light is manifested through individuated souls. It's like a rainbow, like a jigsaw puzzle, like limbs of a body. We have one body. We're all, all the limbs, all the organs are part, indivisible. They're all an indivisible part of one organic wholeness, which is holistic, which is one. But yet every limb, every organ, every tissue, every bone, every sinew, every blood cell, every cell, manifests that life in its own unique way. You don't want the kidney to replace the pancreas and the liver to replace the heart and the heart to replace the brain. You want every single limb and organ to manifest the life of a person in its own unique characteristic and way. That's why the Mishnah says, A person has to say, the world was created for me. So when you say the soul is a chelik elekamimal, doesn't mean every soul is identical. It means in its source, we all come from absolute oneness that's indivisible. But then each soul has its own unique light of Hashem that it brings down into the world. And that's why even tzaddikim, they're not alike. So we're all united at our core. But the way I express the light is not the way you express the light. We spoke about Aaron. We learned in Baha'u'llah, if you remember, Aaron kindling the menorah with seven branches. Each branch, each lamp is a different type of soul. And every morning, every evening, the Kayan lit up all those souls. There's souls from Chesed and Gvurit, Tiferes, Netzach, Chayid, Malchus, like we learned in the previous Maimur. Every person has their own unique dispositions and Midas. It's not a contradiction. It's the way the Chelek, Elekami Mal, is channeled through a particular venue, with a particular medium, because infinity is expressed in infinite ways. And you see this by Hashem Himself. You can ask the same question. Is there... Uh, there's different spheroids by Hashem. There's Chesed, Gvur, Teferis, but it's all one. The answer is, of course it's all one. But it's the way oneness is manifested through different channels. So the same is true with a soul. Just like it's true with the ten spheres, it's true with souls. And it's manifested through its own unique light, its own unique genre. 
Yes, there is a higher state, pre-Bria, pre-Sphiris, where there's only oneness, where there's absolutely no division. And then there's the ultimate, 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 where there's the fusion, the absolute fusion, where the Yesh becomes one with the Yesh in other words, where the individuation is completely not a contradiction to the absolute oneness. There's complete fusion between the two. No, no, no. The ultimate purpose, you want of there'll always be a separation, and the answer is no. In the ultimate equation and the ultimate purpose, there'll be complete alignment and complete oneness without a separation. And even in this world, on the contrary, the ultimate goal is Tchiyas HaMesim, which is in this world, there will be that absolute fusion where the individuation will completely not compromise or exclude oneness. Yet, yet, coexist with it? Yeah, coexist with it. Because what will be revealed is that even the separateness is really part of the oneness. Okay, Chavre, Zayt Gesund. This class is brought to you by the yeshiva.net. Please help us continue the classes. Make even a small contribution at www.theyeshiva.net slash donate.